One of the things that I know that you are most worried about with your birth is that you're going to be led into interventions that are not needed and that you don't want. I hear it from you time and time again, and it's so hard to know what to do when you have a provider that's telling you that you have to do something and you really don't want to do it. What if you say no and something bad happens? How are you going to live with that guilt, right? What if you say yes and it wasn't needed and it leads to other things that could be harmful that wouldn't have happened if you just stuck to your guns? It's overwhelming and it's intimidating. And I know that's what you're feeling. So today, I'm going to give you three things to do when your provider tells you that you, quote, have to do something so we can try to eliminate the fear and think clearly and rationally about what we're going to choose to do. This will mainly impact hospital births since home birth and birth center providers tend to be believers in informed consent rather than intimidation, but that's not 100% the case. So everyone could stand to benefit from what I'm talking about today, no matter where you're going to give birth. So stick around, get out your notebook and your pen so you can jot these things down and let's get into it. Are you a Christian woman yearning for a beautiful, joyful pregnancy and birth with a focus on God, not medical tests? Are you worried the birth you want isn't possible and you're tired of being treated like an accident waiting to happen? Hey mama, I'm Lori, host of Your Birth, God's Way. I'm a certified nurse midwife now, but I wasn't always. After working for nearly 20 years in the broken maternity system, I too was in your shoes wondering how I could have the birth I wanted and that I felt God meant for me to have. I found a secret that has actually been known since the beginning of time. God's way is the best way. Spoiler alert, God made us and our babies and he knows us best. He designed us perfectly for pregnancy, birth, and nourishing our babies after birth if we work with his design and not against it. In this podcast, you'll learn how to be healthy and have joy during this time of life that will be over before you know it. So if you're ready to reclaim your birth and your babies for his glory, go turn on a few episodes of Bluey for that little one on your hip so you can put the focus back on you for a few minutes with me. Do you wish there was a way to have a safe birth without worrying about unnecessary interventions? Do you want a voice in your care with a provider who supports your wishes? Are you scared of having a C-section that isn't truly needed? Do you want to trust God's design for pregnancy and birth, not man's so-called wisdom? I know what it feels like to doubt the system and yearn for a better way. I was in your shoes wanting a beautiful God-filled birth but I was worried about getting sucked into things I knew I didn't want and probably didn't need. Imagine if you could have someone on your side coaching you on how to have your pregnancy and birth on your terms. Imagine you had someone who would truly listen to your questions and give you advice based not just on medical knowledge, but also on God's design. Well, you can. That's why I created the Midwife and Me Power Hour where I help you identify and reach your pregnancy goals and have the birth you're wanting so badly. You will be able to understand what you want and why you want it, so you can clearly communicate those wants and wishes with your provider. You'll walk away with the knowledge and confidence you need to formulate a plan for your birth and communicate your desires clearly with your provider. So if you're ready to take back control with God at the center through a customized birth plan based on your wishes, for a limited time, I'm offering five Midwife and Me Power Hour sessions in the month of March at a greatly reduced price in exchange for a testimonial from you sharing what you gain from your session. 
These reduced sessions are first come, first serve, and they will not last long. Once they're gone, they're gone, so don't wait and miss out. Head on over to bit.ly slash midwife power hour to book your power hour before they're gone. One more time, grab that pen so you don't forget this address. It's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash midwife power hour. Go over there now, grab you a session before they're all gone so you don't miss out. Go do it and take that first step to reclaiming the peace and joy God intended for you to have in this beautiful time of life. I can't wait to spend an hour talking with you about all your wishes and your hopes and your dreams and then helping you realize them. How fun is that? Go book now. I know so many of you are really struggling with how to have that birth that you want, and I know you feel stuck, and you're worried about how you're going to be prepared to stand your ground when the pressure hits, when things aren't going as smoothly as you'd like. You're scared. I get it. I've been there. Let's sit down one-on-one for a call so I can help you address your specific concerns. I want to help you be prepared to rock that birth and to have it God's way. And your way, because I know you want it God's way. Not the hospital's way, not your doctor's way, but the right way. I'm offering an introductory rate this month in exchange for your honest testimonial after our call. Now, I can only offer five sessions at this rate, so please don't wait and miss out. I know how frustrating it is to have all these questions in your mind in in your little 15-minute block of a window of a visit that you get If you even get that much time with your provider, you can't get it all in. You get all flustered. You forget what you want to ask. You forget what you want to say. Maybe you're intimidated because you just feel like you're not supposed to say anything. In this case, you won't have to worry about that. You'll have a whole hour to sit with me for us to talk about your specific situation, your specific concerns. I want to help you to get rid of the fear. I want to help you to be at ease. And I can't wait to talk to you and get to have a small part in helping you to realize your dreams. The link to book is down in the show notes. So be sure to go check that out. And I can't wait to talk to you. Now, moving on. I know that it's scary to have a provider tell you that you have to do something or that something bad is gonna happen if you don't do whatever that thing is. I was actually in those exact shoes and I'm gonna tell you a little bit about that in just a second. You know, sometimes it might be true that if you don't do a certain thing that something bad's gonna happen, but sometimes it isn't. And more often, it's not the truth. Many providers do guide you honestly and are conscientious about their recommendations, but A lot aren't. And how do I know that a lot aren't? Well, let's look at some statistics. I hate that word, statistics. I always stumble over it. So the C-section rate in America in 2021 was 32.1%. That alone tells you that a lot of things are being done that aren't needed. By contrast, the farm, which many of you have probably heard of. If you haven't, the farm is kind of a commune down in Summertown, Tennessee. Don't get hung up on that. That's not the important part. People from all over the country come there to have their babies because of their amazing statistics. But the reason they have such great statistics is because they respect birth and they support women. At the farm from 1970 until 2010, they had 
2,844 births. Of those, 94.7% were completed at home or at their facility at the farm. They have different little cabins and things that you can rent out and have your babies there. 94.7%, that's almost 95%. Is it just that those women are that much more special? That only 5% of them even, and this isn't even saying 5% had C-sections. They didn't. It's just that 5% had to transfer for some reason. So women who go to the hospital, 32% of them need C-sections? No, it's not that they need it. It's that they were pushed that direction for whatever reason. Often providers base their recommendations on their own priorities, their own schedules, on things like liability because they're afraid if they don't do something that you're going to sue them, maybe based on their opinions and their experiences from their biases that they have formed over the years. Maybe they've never even really seen what a natural unbothered birth looks like. I want to tell you a little story from a book that I read, I don't know, 13 years ago, I think. Um, The book is called Pushed. Excuse me, the book is called Pushed, The Painful Truth About Childbirth and Maternity Care. It's by Jennifer Block. And in the first chapter of this book, she tells this really, really interesting story from back when Hurricane Charlie hit Florida in 2004. She was a labor and delivery nurse at that time. And when Charlie made landfall, um, course, things got a little crazy. I believe there was another storm that hit the state at the same time, and they lost power. They were on generators. They had no air conditioning. They had no lab capabilities. They couldn't run any of the things that you normally need. So, for instance, in order to get a epidural place, you have to have certain labs drawn and analyzed, and they weren't able to draw these. So, because there was no air conditioner, and there was no labs, and they were on backup power, They canceled all inductions. They canceled all elective C-sections, which means the people who are choosing a C-section, it wasn't necessarily needed per se. They canceled them all. When people came in to be checked for labor, if they were not actually in active labor, instead of keeping them like they usually do, this particular hospital would usually keep anybody and start an induction process if they came in because of all these different things that were going on, if you came into their hospital at that time and you weren't in labor, you got sent home. If you, were, if you weren't making cervical change, which is the mark of active labor, active labor isn't measured by your dilation, but it's based on whether your cervix is changing. And so they got sent home. And so the only people they were keeping were people who were actually in labor. And what they found was that many moms, even first-time moms, were coming in and they were having their babies within hours of arriving, even first-time mamas. They were kind of aghast by this. They couldn't believe what they were seeing because like most labor and delivery nurses, they kind of believed in the process. But what they also found that as these moms were laboring on their own because they were not inducing or augmenting, which means adding to the labor, they weren't giving Pitocin, they weren't doing any of these things that they normally do, They had no cases of fetal distress during labor and no respiratory distress of the babies after they were born. It's, it was amazing to them. And it was so amazing that one nurse eventually quit. Actually, I say one nurse, 
four out of five nurses on that floor over time quit because of what they saw during this period of time. And the fact that when they started to talk to their management about it, nobody cared. Tells you a lot, right? They're going to tell them like, hey, guys, when you leave birth alone, when you leave labor alone, it happens. And it happens quickly and smoothly and well. And we think this is the way we should be doing things. And management is like, if that's the way you want to do it and you don't like how we do it, here's the door. That was the message they got. So suddenly they realized that the whole game was not about what was best for the mama. It was about what was best for the hospital. Another thing that they noticed was that before, most of their babies were born Monday through Friday during the day. Very few babies born at night, very few babies born on the weekends. And actually back in 2004, this book is written, I think 2004, 2005. So the statistics that they have are from back that far, but they haven't changed much, believe me. In 2004, the data that the CDC provided said that there were about 12,000 babies born per day. And on Saturdays and Sundays, the number of babies born dropped to 8,000. And most, an average of 11,000 of the babies were born during the day. So you mean to tell me that babies just don't come at night at all? That that's natural? No, of course not. What happened was that women were going into labor on their own, when their babies and their bodies were ready, and they were having good undisturbed labor, and the babies were coming when they were ready. And one more interesting thing they noted, three quarters of the women who were scheduled for inductions on any particular week, they still came in and they delivered anyway, but they did better likely than they would have done had they been induced because when they came in, as I mentioned before, if they weren't actually in labor, they didn't get to stay. So when they came in, they were already laboring, their body was ready to have this baby, and it went smooth. What they found, what the nurses found, was that safety protocols didn't really seem to have much bearing on actual practice. Their policies, the things that they did on a regular basis, weren't based on what was best for mama. And ladies, let me just tell you that their experience exposed what is happening in most hospitals across this country. What happened there in any hospital or just about any hospital in this country, if it happened there, if they lost power and weren't able to induce and keep their C-section schedules up, it's what would happen. Babies will be born at all times of day and night, all days of the week, about equally. And I would even argue maybe a little bit more at night because I found in my practice as a midwife that babies tend to be born at night. And I don't know if that's because mom's just less stressed. There's less for her to have to tend to. She can kind of relax and let things happen, but it's real and it happens. And the fact that this particular nurse identified All of these different inconsistencies about how they'd been doing things versus how they should have been doing things shows you that sometimes your provider's recommendations are not going to be based on what's best for you. And that's a sad case, and I'm sorry that that's what we are in, but it is. And my job here is to help you be ready to deal with it. I mentioned earlier that there's pressure on everyone, and even me as a midwife, or at that time I was a midwife in training, I felt pushed to do things that I didn't really think that were needed. 
because I was afraid of what people would think. And I was afraid of feeling guilty if what I did think was right, wasn't right. Remember, I told you I drove all the way to St. Louis to have AJ, my first baby. And once I got there, we ended up doing a kind of a natural form of induction not because we felt like it was needed, but it was just like a just-in-case kind of thing because my original midwife thought I was becoming preeclamptic, which means high blood pressures and things like that. Um, you're, you're, we haven't really gotten into preeclampsia yet. I'm not going to go into all the details of it now. We'll go into it in the future, but just know that it's something that usually can lead to a provider recommending that you be induced depending on how bad it is. Well, I didn't fit the criteria. But she thought I did. And I had consulted with all of my buddies who are all midwives. And we had come to the conclusion that we didn't think that I was. But at that point, I was 41 weeks in a day. So let's give it a try and just see what happens. We didn't push too hard, but let's see what happens. So through the course of the day, we did black and blue cohosh, which is an herbal mixture that midwives sometimes do. We did that good old fun castor oil, which you may have heard of. Don't necessarily recommend it, but it is an option that we'll talk about at some point in the future. And then after we did all that, uh, my mom and I, my mom had gone up with me. We went on a walk and then we started pumping or I started pumping. She didn't start pumping. And but again, because I was already at 41 weeks, it really didn't take much to push me over into labor. Once I stopped pumping, the contractions never stopped. And I went on to have him maybe, let's see, that was about seven o'clock. I had him at like two, so about seven hours later. So very fast labor for first time mom. But again, my body was ready. Now, the question is, had we not started that, would I have gone into labor that day? We'll never really know. But it tells you that that Fear pushed us into doing something that we might not have normally done. So when your provider tells you that you need to do something now, how are you going to know what you should do? And how are you going to know if it's really an emergency? I'm going to give you four different things that you can do to try to assess what the right thing to do is. Number one, ask your provider if you can wait an hour. An hour, just an hour. It seems very simple. You're not asking permission to wait an hour, but rather you're asking them for information in that question about how urgent the situation really is. Just by asking them if you can wait an hour, you're going to be able to tell if it's actually an emergency. Because if they say that you can wait, obviously it's not truly an emergency. It amazes me how many moms I hear say that they had to be induced or had to have a C-section. But then once they were told that, they pull out a book to schedule them and find a time that's available to schedule it. Well, if it's truly needed, how come it can wait? I know so many people that had a, quote, emergency going on, but they were allowed to go home and take a shower and get their stuff and come back the next morning or that night or whenever else. If you've got that kind of time to work with, it's not an emergency. So why are we doing it? Whether or not you're allowed to wait, and when I say allowed, man, I hate using that word when it comes to birth because you should not be allowed or not allowed to do anything. It should be your choice, but I digress. (laughs) Whether they will let you wait for an hour indicates the actual urgency, the real urgency. If they tell you that you can't wait at all 
and you see a lot of people buzzing around, if you're at a hospital and they come in and there's 10 people with them and they're moving you around and messing with the monitor and all those kind of things, well, maybe there's an actual emergency going on at that point. And I can't tell you exactly without being in the room with you whether or not it's an emergency. But if they walk in, just your nurse or just your doctor and they have the time to have a conversation with you and you ask them if you can wait an hour and they say, sure, or I don't really want you to, but if you insist, that tells you that they don't really believe it's truly an emergency because if they truly believed it was an emergency, they would want to do whatever that thing was right then. Number two, ask for all of your options, even the ones they don't prefer. So let's say you've asked for that hour and they've said, okay, now you need to ask them what alternatives are available that they could try. Ask them if doing nothing is an option, because if doing nothing is an option, that might be the best route. Just wait and see. Not everything requires that something be done. Let's say they've decided that they think you should be induced. Well, ask them what alternatives there are. Are there any things that they might recommend that you could try instead? And then kind of read them. Sit back and watch how they answer, what their tone is like, and things like that. And then you'll get a good picture into how serious your situation is. And that's just one example. Again, I don't know your specific situation. I can't be there with you, unfortunately, to know and to be able to tell you what's the right and wrong thing to do. But these tools, these questions that you can have in your back pocket are going to help you in the moment to decide what you need to do. Number three, ask them what they would do in your shoes. So when the doctor or midwife or whoever comes in and they're telling you this thing that they think that needs to be done right now, ask them to, ta- to tell you what they would do if they were in the bed and you were the provider, taking into account now what your specific wishes are for your birth plan, which they should be familiar with. Would they do the thing that's being recommended? Now, the reason I say they need to take into account your birth plan is because what they would do if they're all medical and probably would have never labored to start with, they would have just let you cut them. Well, then their recommendation isn't going to be the same, obviously, as what you would choose to do. But taking into account your birth plan will at least make them think about what you would want to happen and they should give you recommendations about how they would respond if they were the one in your shoes with your birth plan. Some doctors aren't going to give you an answer. Some of them are going to kind of tiptoe and hem and haul and that's fine. That'll also give you kind of a look into whether it's really urgent or not or whether they're just wanting to get this over with which sadly is often the case. But it again gives you another piece of information to consider so that you can make the best choice. And finally, number four, and I really shouldn't have made this number four. This should always be number one. But sometimes, especially like in this case that we're talking about, you really needed to ask those questions first so that you can get to the point that you have the time to do number four. And number four is pray. God knows every part of your situation in a way that no provider can. He knows you internally. That provider doesn't. No provider does. They can look at different signs, but they don't truly know exactly what's going on. So talk to God about your concerns and about your worries. Ask him to guide you to the right decision. Ask him to give you clarity so that answer is so clear that you know for sure that you're doing the right thing. And ask him for peace. Ask him to help you to understand what's going on and so that your spirit and your soul can be at peace. 
he won't let you down. He's there with you. He knows that baby inside of you. He put that baby there. He knows the moment that baby was formed. He knows the moment that baby was intended to be born. And if you will lean on him and his guidance, he will help you to see what you need to see. Have you had things recommended for you that you found out later weren't needed? I would love to hear about them. Head over to our Facebook community if you haven't already so that we can learn from each other, each other's experiences. That's one of the best ways to learn and one of the best things to do when you're wanting to have a birth that goes against the grain, that's not what the world says you ought to want. The best way to know how it really works and the best way to know how to navigate the whole system is to talk to other people who've already done it. And that's what our Facebook community is great about. It's, it's just mamas like you. It's full of mamas like you who are wanting to do things differently and to rely on God instead of medical knowledge. So head over there. It's just facebook.com slash group slash your birth God's way. Join us and tell me over there what things have you had recommended to you that you later found out were not needed. Tell us how you managed them. How did you decide? How did you move forward? And then how did you find out they weren't actually needed? I would love to hear your story. So I hope you'll hop over there and share it with me. And I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Real quick, if today's episode blessed you in any way, would you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a quick five-star written review? It'll take you less than a minute, but it's the best thank you you can give me. And it will help my show to reach more mamas just like you so we can all find God's best for our families. I'll see you right back here in a few days.